0: Amen and good morning. It's always an honor and a privilege to speak God's word to His people. As you know, I like to encourage you guys to read the Word of the Lord throughout the week. So, in light of today's message, read Psalm one nineteen. The whole psalm. It's a very long psalm. No, read Psalm one nineteen, verse one or verse one hundred twenty five. Psalm 119, 125, the verse. I encourage you to be in prayer, and pray as you read that passage. Pray as you're having just whatever's going on in your life, pray about it. Pray, find someone, pray with them, and pray that the Lord may be able to encourage you to share the word with someone. Because as you know, you guys are our evangelism team. <laughs> All of you. Because we're all doing the same thing for Christ. That's his name be magnified wherever we go. Amen? All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this time of coming together. Lord, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world, going on in our personal lives too. But Lord, we know that you are the God of all peace. And by looking at you, we know that we have peace restored between us and you, and that's all we need that you're with us through any trials, any tribulations. Lord, you never promised that we won't have trials. In fact, you said the opposite. We will, but you said you'll be with us the whole time and never let us go. Though we stumble and fumble and fall down and can't get up, you're there to pick us up and say, I'm here and carry us all the way, all the way home with you safe and sound. Thank you for that. Thank you for your victory that was given to us through Christ. We pray this now. Convict us of our sins that are revealed here, Lord. Help us run away from the idols that we hold into our life. And help us destroy the idols that we're starting to build so that we can just trust in you and you alone, knowing that it's truly finished in your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today we're we're coming back to this small section of Scripture given by Paul to the Thessalonian church as he's coming to the end of this letter. And though, as we will see, these commands here really are, are short, there's a lot of application that we can take and apply to our lives. So to set up the context quickly, as we look at our text of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 21 through 22, Paul has just stated right before that, in verse 20, he says this Do not despise prophecies. And this particular command, then, right, in regards to a direct, divine, infallible revelation that was being given, this verse sets off Paul on this general theme for the church in the next few verses that we're going to cover, that are summed up, as our title says, a call to spiritual discernment. That's our title spiritual discernment, a call upon us. Now, as we covered last week, Paul, again in the context is referring to prophets who give divine revelation that's infallible and inspired from God. So Paul is stating to the church, the church, the Thessalonians, that, hey, they must listen to what's being said from these prophets. because what's coming out of those prophets' mouths are more than hunches, more than strong feelings or really good biblical counsel and insight to what's happening in the world around them or maybe in their particular lives. Paul says, no, what's coming from those mouths of these prophets is in the infallible word of God to follow. But sadly, at that time, there were not just true prophets, but there was also false prophets. And Jesus spoke of such things coming about in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, beware, he says, of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And these false prophets, the goal was not to promote the Lord and his gospel of his freeing grace to build up and encourage others in Christ in his finished works, but rather these false prophets arise up to speak the devil's lies, to speak false teachings, all under the disguise of the Lord's name. And really, really, false prophets have been around since the Old Testament. It's not a New Testament thing. They've been around for a long time. There were constantly false prophets rising up and speaking in the Lord's name amongst his people. You can see this For example, in the Old Testament, we're in Jeremiah 14, 14, where it says this, and the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination, and the deceit of their own minds. So a quick question, right, that may be asked as we're looking at that right they've been around for a long time is how in the old testament how could they tell who a false prophet was and who was not right well god told them what to do in regards of how to handle that and it, and he says they were to test the prophets and their prophecies in the old testament it says this in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 18 through 22 it says this this is god saying I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded to speak to, him, to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. So in regards to the prophet's future telling, they were to test and see if they came true, and if they didn't, they would just disregard them, saying, see ya, not trusting you anymore. But also, also, they would test these, these, these prophets' teachings or revelations according to what has already been revealed in the word of God that they had at that time in the Old Testament. And you can see this, for example, when God spoke Isaiah, Spoke in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. So not only are they testing things to come, but they're also supposed to test what has already been taught. It says this in uh, verse 820. To the teaching and to the testimony, if they will not speak according to this word, well, God has already laid out. It is because they have no dawn. It means they ain't saved. They're not true. So that's what they did in the Old Testament. So coming back now to look at our text today. Since Paul knew there were false prophets running about, those true ones in the church at that time. Well, Paul then says something here that's not new, but says something that falls right in line with God has already been saying about prophets and the old te- and prophets and their prophecies. Paul says in verse uh, in verses 21 through uh, 22. This is what Paul says. Well, hey. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So, just like in the Old Testament, they were to test what these prophets were saying, weed out the good ones from the bad ones. So, that's what they were called to do: test what these people are saying. You might say, "Okay, well, that's good for the Thessalonians, but how is that revel- how is that relevant to us in our situation of life?" I mean, since we don't have these authoritative, infallible prophets to give us the direct word of God anymore, because we have the full, inspired, infallible revelation of God and his word, we have the complete Bible now. Doesn't that mean we don't have to worry about false prophets rising up amongst God's people since we no longer are looking to the prophets, but we're looking to the Bible now for his word? I mean, if they show up, can't we just simply say, (laughs) sorry, man, we got the completed word of God to speak to us now. You can't fool us. We don't need you. I mean, it says in Jude chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So since we have the complete Christian faith now, anyone trying to come along and add his word to God would be easily to spot out and call out, right? Well, I'm here to tell you that's simply not as easy as it may seem, because it's sadly not true because we do have many other religions calling themselves Christians, that are really cults, false Christians, false Christian religions that claim to be of Christ. And they have their prophets, false prophets, that arise who speak in the name of God and add to the infallible word of God with their own books or take away from the infallible word of God, saying that the Bible is corrupted and they're the ones who give the true words of God. now. And there's also supposed Christians who claim certain infallible visions of the future events that end up not happening at all. And then they come up with excuses to say why it didn't come to pass. But they're still a prophet because God told them now something new, something else. God changed his mind, if you will. But really, they're just a false prophet. So, no, even though there are no longer authoritative, second-in-command of the church prophets, as 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28 says, God has appointed first the apostles... And secondly, a prophet, second prophets. Even though the true prophets who declare the infallible truth or declare future events are no longer around like the apostles are not. Sadly, false prophets, just like has always been since the Old Testament, will still rise up to lead people astray and try to lead God's people astray. Just as Jesus said in Matthew twenty-four, twenty-four, For false Christ's We haven't even covered that. That's another thing to look at. False prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So a very direct application from our text today of 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 21-22, through where Paul says, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil, is this. When people say they are an authoritative prophet, like we've described here today, where, they, where God's infallible words speak through them in new revelation, or they are in a religion or so-called Christian religion that is centered on or founded on some authoritative prophet who speaks God's infallible words, or maybe now that prophet is dead, but they spoke the infallible words of God at one time in addition to the Bible. You know, something is wrong there. And you, as Paul says in verse 22, are are to abstain from listening to their evil teachings. For the canon of the word of God is now closed. There are no new revelations of, of God or new revelations of the Christian faith to be given at all. All there is to hold on to that is good of God. All that is needed to know about him, how to live before him. All that is needed to be known about salvation is all found now in the word of God for it's truly sufficient for these things. That means you don't need anything else like that, like the prophets. 2 Timothy 2 I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17 says it. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped, or may be competent, equipped for every good work. So to be as blunt as possible, no longer is there second-in-command prophets of the Christian faith, They are no longer needed to reveal such revelations of God to us, for we have God's full and complete, inspired, infallible word that speaks to us by the power of the Holy Spirit through faith in Christ. Now, with that said, right, I want to look at one more broad application that Paul himself begins to speak to in regards to testing prophecies at that time. Paul, as I pointed out Last week, Paul says not to just test the prophecies, but to test everything. In verse 21 through 22, he says this, but test everything. You notice we keep repeating this? But test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So it's as if Paul were saying this, hey, guys, don't despise the prophecies, he's telling the Thessalonians. But don't go the other extreme and just recklessly accept all that you hear of them. But test them to see if they're true. In fact, in fact, you should be testing all things. Just like you are to test those prophecies. Holding on to the good and rooting yourself of evil. And a place, right, because there's a lot of things we can take and apply to that. But for today, the place where this general testing principles or testing things, the principle comes into the Christian life directly for you and me sitting in this room, those of you online, comes directly is in regards to teachers or pastors of the Christian faith. For though not everyone claims to be a prophet to give infallible words, there are many who will claim to be teachers of the Christian faith. Many. I mean, There's a lot out there. And just like Paul says here in principle of testing everything, just because people claim to be a pastor or a teacher or a Christian author, it does not remove them from false teachings at times because no one's perfect in their teaching. People are going to mess things up. Or even more worrisome and more bigger, the bigger issue of them being a false teacher. So no matter, so think of it this way, no matter if they may have a huge following, if they're very likable, if they're very put together, down to earth, approachable, seemingly very smart, Paul in principle here says, you are not to take what anyone teaches or insights they give to the the Christian faith unguarded. But we are to test what's being said. Paul here is saying to the Thessalonians, as with us, you collectively all should test what you're being taught of the Christian faith. Whether, Whether, I'll put myself, whether by me, from this pulpit, don't just take what I say, like, oh yeah, Jonathan said it. No. Whether by me or any other teacher in this church, or, by, or from any Christian or apparent Christian source, like a book, a blog, a tweet, a radio program, TV program, stream, whatever. My great-grandpa listened to this guy. Don't. Just take whatever from what anyone says. But you are never just to take anything on face value, but you are to test everything. That's the main principle and the general principle of what Paul is saying here. Hold on to the true stuff, abstain, from the bad, evil stuff. Test everything being taught to you. But now the question comes, test according to what? Your intellect? Your feelings? Your traditions? Your background? Well, if we go forward to the book of 2 Thessalonians, people were causing problems within the church of Thessalonica. They were causing problems with teachings and doctrines. So how does Paul combat this? Well, he says to hold fast what has been written to them in the letters they already had. He says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the, to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. The implication, then, is that the testing is to test everything being taught to you by the word of God. Just like God had already commanded his people in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, in the Isaiah passage that we read earlier, but we're going to read it again. Isaiah 8.20 says, To the teaching and to the testimony, if they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. You are to test what's being taught by the written word. The very Bible you have in your hand or digitally we are to be like the group in Acts 17, 11, where it says that though Paul, an apostle, brought them the gospel message, they, were still, they still tested what he said by the word of God. It says in Acts 17, 11, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the words with all eagerness, examining the scriptures once, twice, when they felt like it, When they thought something was up? No, daily to see if these things were true, constantly. So what this means for you, then, is that you are to always look out for things that are in direct contrast with the Word of God. For example, if any Christian leader or Christian teaches that it is perfectly okay to be sexually promiscuous, it is perfectly okay to be jealous, perfectly okay to get drunk, and so on and so on. You should say, hey, wait a minute. That contradicts directly what God says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19-21, to where it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry. Dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Blunt things like that, we were called to always be on the lookout for. Always. Or, we're also called to be on the lookout for false doctrines that are being taught. Great example saying that Jesus was not truly God or saying there's no such thing as God being a trinity I'm not saying people have to have it figured out but saying there's no such thing as that You should say wait a minute hold up Titus chapter 2 verse 3 uh, verse 13 says Jesus is God It says in Titus chapter 2 verse 13 waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like, hey, wait a minute, it says it right there. And then you should be able to say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Bible speaks of God being one, yet God being distinct persons in a lot of places. The Trinity is not a new thing or some made up thing. It's found all over the Bible. Like for example, in Genesis chapter 1, Verses 26 to 27. God, the one God speaks in reference to his persons. And then the Bible says that the one God went on to create a man and a woman. Not the gods went to go create. And this only makes sense if God was the Trinity, one and three and three and one. It says, for example, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27, and God, and God, the one God said, Let us, who's that us? Unless he's three. Three and one, one and three. Let us make man in our our image. Unless he has weird speaking problems. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So the gods. So God, one. Created man in his in his in his own image. Wait, we went back to what where's that uh, one and three, three and one. In his own image, in the image of God, he created them him, male and female he created them. You see that only that, that passage only makes sense if God's a plurality. I don't know how that works, okay? So how do we know then? what real evil teaching is to be on the lookout for. Well, it's the same way that we can know what the good teaching is and to hold fast to. And it's all by the word of God. That's where we go. But here's the thing. Not all evil is so easy to pick out. For Satan and his followers don't always come in the nasty, provocative ways. He doesn't always want to wear horns and that pitchfork and show up at your door. Actually, that's not what he looks like at all, but for an example. But he can come to you in the smooth, the coaxing, and seemingly righteous ways, too. And that is a lot harder to pick out. Because truth mixed with lies, or truth without context, is a very dangerous thing. For example, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 through 15 says this, And no wonder, for even Satan himself, or Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of wickedness, righteousness, That's a lot harder to pick out because we're dealing with truth now. Not the things that just contradict the truth, right? Like, ah, sleeping around is perfectly fine. That's easy. I can point to that out easily, but the righteousness part. And so what Paul is getting at here then in that passage we read here of Corinthians and in light of our current text of testing and the theme of spiritual discernment is this. There are many false teachers out there that misuse the scriptures and twist the scriptures to make the Christian faith ultimately all about you and what you have to do rather than what Jesus did and is doing for you. What they do is they bind and they guilt your conscience to make you live in fear And worry and doubt of your salvation and fret of the sufficiency of Christ for your salvation. They say the themes, right? I don't know if they say this directly, but the idea, the theme to look out for is this. They say Christ got you in by his grace through faith. How you live will be the marker if the Lord will bless you and keep his favor upon you and keep his salvation upon you. That on judgment day, you better be ready to give an account of how you live because if you have not lived a life worthy of him, that you don't have all these good works to show before him, they say, why should I let you in? Well, I've done all this. I live perfe- I I not perfectly, but I'm pretty good. If you're not like that, but you keep screwing up, well, you'd be out of luck. So you better clean yourself up. You better stop struggling with those sins that pop up. You better be holy now, because God commands it. They'll say that, and they'll quote 1 Peter chapter. One, verse 16, where it says, hey, God says, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. You better be holy. And then they'll quote Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, where it says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. If you don't have that. If you don't strive for that holiness, making yourself holy, getting being becoming holy You're not going to make it to heaven. if You have those sins still lingering around. Those sins that keep popping up and torturing your mind. If you don't stop them, you won't have the holiness to see the Lord. And you will go straight to hell like everyone else. Nice try. You don't pass go. You don't collect $200. You go to jail. And sadly, they'll they'll use the laws and cause pain. You're like, well, I'm doomed because I'm not perfect. I mess up. And sadly, these false teachers then were just, and by the way, that teaching that I was just saying now, these false teachers were always around, just, just like, they, they were just like the teachers mentioned in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, who misused God's law, where it says, certain persons by swerving from these have wandered in, away into vain discussion. Desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they're what they are saying or the things which they make confident assertions. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. There's a right way and a wrong way of understanding God's law. There's a way it'll mess you up and just leave you to think. See, here's the thing. We must read the Bible, hear the Bible, understand all of its teachings in light of Christ and his gospel message of grace, in which the whole Bible is ultimately about. See, Christ came to save sinners who fail him constantly. And the law is now there to expose how much of a sinner we are before him. You know, that's my goal is to expose how really how horrible we are. You're you're not as good as you think. That's the point of the law. So that, not that we'll pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps. but The law's there to expose our sin so that we will turn to Jesus all the more by. Relying upon his grace, not our works at all. So that we can rest in, remember he said strive for that holiness? So that we can rest in the truth how his, the striving is resting in his holiness. In Christ's holiness. In Christ's righteousness. In Christ's perfection. And trusting that it is his, all of that that has been attributed to us now by faith in him alone. It's just given by faith and not how we live before him. And by doing so, by by relying upon Christ all by faith, makes the Christian faith all about Jesus and not about us. And we end up, guess what? Then we end up following after his ways as we focus on his gospel messages. And truly, that is something we need to hear when it comes to the spiritual things in our life through whatever means. We are called to be spiritually discerning through the word of God, asking, is this teaching I'm hearing driving me to trust more in myself or to trust in Jesus and his gospel of grace? Is this new insight and highlight in my life, in my relationships, in my interactions with this world? Is it highlighting me and my life, looking how good I am? Or is it highlighting Jesus and how good he is and how great the thing he did upon the cross was for us all by faith in him? And here's the wonder of the gospel. You ready? Gets me giddy inside and why it's so good. Because I'm a sinner. Whew. Because even with the call to be spiritually discerning, that's upon all of you here in this room, all Christians. Guess what? We're going to get things wrong, we're going to miss it, we're not going to be able to pick out everything. We're gonna hold on to things that are wrong. But praise be to God that Christ has done all the discerning, all the discernment that is necessary for us. All the discernment to make us have right relation with God. He did it all by faith in him. For you and me. He was able to discern all the lies for us in our place and hold on to the good. For example, you read that in Matthew chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. It says this. This is dealing with Jesus and his temptation. One of the temptations. Jesus was tempted all his life. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, "If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written," truth without context. "He will command his angels concerning you." And on the other hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test because he understood the greater context. See, Jesus saw right through it all. and He passed the test for you and me, all by faith in him alone. So we stand righteous before God in whom he's fully pleased all because of Jesus. He lived the life we couldn't live, church, and he died the death that we deserve, and he came back to life to give what we could not earn. It's truly finished in Christ. So I'm gonna call the deacons to come up if you'd like to pray with them. And if you don't know Jesus today, I invite you to come and know him. And if you have made a decision to say, you know what, I need that, I need Jesus. Come up and tell us, let us know. So we can celebrate with you. And you know all of you, all of us Christians who have been struggling maybe with discernment and how to deal with our relationships, how to deal with our work, how to deal with what we, just a lot of dealing. Just go to Christ knowing that, you know what? He's gonna take care of it. He's got you. He's got you and he's not gonna let you go. I mean, that is the wonder of the gospel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for everything that you have done. You have done everything required for us to be in right relationship with your Father. And we receive it all by simply resting in you by faith. We just receive the blessing upon blessing. We just receive the wonder, the love, and the favor. Lord, I pray that that empowers us to see the freedom that we have so that we can can then be motivated and and encouraged to just follow you all the more and to attempt all of these wonders for you, knowing that even if we fail at them, we're covered. And Lord, I pray for all of us within this church and those online that we too, in light of today's message, that we can be spiritually discerning with everything we come and come. Lord, I pray that we can come spiritually discerning within ourselves, because many of times we fret thinking, "I'm not good enough." Lord, remind us that we're not, but Your Son was. We pray this in Your Son's